guys, welcome back to another ESL podcast, man. This is a very, very special one. You know, this is the power of Instagram. At some point in the last two years, I came across someone liking, well, a number of people liking my photos, but this one specifically, I never had the opportunity to reach out to this person. So finally I did. Her name is Paz, right out of Santiago, Chile. And I'm like, you know, I really love to bring, obviously, international guest speakers from around the world on this podcast because this is a podcast without borders. And for the next 40 minutes, she shared such an amazing story from her learning English to looking at public schools versus, you know, uh, what is it, private schools and looking at what her overall big picture, her life assignment is in general, which I've covered in the uh, last podcast with Isaiah from the Bahamas. But in saying that, guys, I really hope you enjoyed this one as much as I did. Such a fine-tuned, in-depth conversation with one of my very own, a Latina. So I'm excited, and I hope you guys are excited, too. And with, without further ado, let's dive into this. Boz, thank you so much for joining me on the ESL Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great, just uh, waking up because it's really early here, but <laughs> other energy on a Monday. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. It's funny. For everyone who's listening, I record these on different days. It's not like I do it live. And me being out here in Thailand, it is 7 p.m. here. Well, 7.15 specifically, but it is 8.15 out there in Providencia, Chile. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. She has joined us today, man. First and foremost, the power of Instagram. I am so grateful. Ironically, I saw Paz at some point in the last 10 years on a post that I had posted. And I don't know if it was algorithms or anything, but that was about 2018. So then when I saw you again, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to reach out to Paz. And here you are today. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for contacting me. <laughs> You're welcome. So I would like you to give everyone a nice little introduction about, hey, a lot of people are saying, because I have Chileans that actually listen to my wonderful podcast. So they're probably saying like, oh, her accent is so good. You know, how did she learn English? And again, going into the things that you do today and whatnot. So take them on a journey. Yeah, well, um, I'm Paz. I'm 32 years old. Um, I started learning English when I was 12. I really liked it. I got cable TV at my house and I started listening to all these TV shows and, and movies and such. And I started repeating the words. And then uh, that was my journey until I turned 18. And I decided to study, okay, I'm going to study English at university to be able to teach it later. So... I studied at a public university here in, in Chile, in Santiago. Mm. And um, I have worked in many different places of education in schools. I've worked in a university teaching uh, future teachers of English. And um, three years ago, uh, I think, yeah, three and a half years ago or something, I started working at an NGO. Um, that promotes uh, learning opportunities for children in public education here in Chile. And um, a year ago, I started leading a program called We Learn, uh, which is uh, meant to promote the opportunities for children to learn English since a very early age in public education in Chile, because in Chile, 
um, students start like uh, um, uh, at fifth grade to learn English uh, uh, regarding the public policy, but uh, a lot of schools are starting earlier from pre-K onwards and uh, our program wants to help them do that and give these opportunities to children in different areas, specifically very uh, touristic areas in the country, mm -hmm. such as the Elki Valley, Valle del Elqui, and uh, very far south, Puerto Natales. Hmm, okay. And again, geographically speaking, I could be wrong, but Chile is literally all up against the left side of South America. And it's yeah. extremely narrow right yeah long and narrow long and narrow so it covers a lot of no not in terms of like acres but it covers a vast amount from head to toe um yeah they got some beautiful is it the salt lands out there or they had the, again i'm so intrigued by a lot of different um salt uh you you know what i mean like the salt flats salt flats you guys have that right? we have the atacama desert we atacama, have uh, at the very north right and it's very dry and hot and then at the south we have glaciers and we are very close to antarctica so the country has like all kinds of different weather it's it's really amazing that way you know man this is uh, this is why i you know to be honest with you, Paz, my goal was to bring every country onto my podcast, basically a, a, a borderless podcast. And to hear that just gives me like, it gives me chills because I never really knew that from, uh, you know, a perspective, you know, speaking to someone directly uh, such as yourself. So that's amazing. I didn't realize how close Chile was to Antarctica, you know, so Oh my God. Okay, let's refer back. 13 years old, you started repeating the words, cable TV, we're the same age. Okay. Um, oh, woo -woo. Okay, 32. Shout out to everyone who's 32 <laughs> and around and of and beyond. Um, but you started repeating the words. I think this is very important for everyone who's listening to this because I know students who have never studied in a formal classroom, but they have a perfect accent. And I say, how'd you do it? I just repeat what I hear. How did you have that mindset at 13? Like, let me just say it exactly like them versus maybe your <laughs> other friends who say, oh my God, I can't remember, but I know me coming from a, a Mex you know, my school, primarily Mexicans, immigrants who immigrated from El Salvador or Honduras and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, run that through. How'd you, it's amazing. Yeah, how did I come up with it? Well, um, I've always been like a, ver a very communicative person. So I do not only speak to other people. I also have like internal dialogues. And, and in that like uh, exercise of talking to myself a lot. Yep, that's it. I uh, started listening to, to phrases and things that could help me in English. And I started repeating them. And um, I started the exercise of when I spoke to myself, like with my inner thoughts, I would do it in English as much as I could uh, at the beginning, like very rough and, and English and Spanish. And then I evolved from there. Um, I also enjoy the sense of humor of Americans a lot. And unfortunately, with subtitles, you lose most of it. 
though I realized that. I understood that if I read the subtitles, many of the things that they were saying were actually lost because I don't know many of them are 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 you know puns and and things with uh, with words or references to to pop culture so everything gets uh um eliminated in the subtitle so that everybody can understand and um because i enjoy the sense of humor so much i said okay i need to understand this because otherwise i'm missing out on, on half of it yeah right? so i watch tv shows like friends and and wow. um yep. that type of of show so i w really wanted to understand everything and that's how i got really interested in it internal dialogues uh that yeah. is oh man and especially with idioms and different expressions and stuff like that you know one of my students just before i came on he was like arsenio what does it mean to take a toll and i'm like oh that's kind of like you know when you have someone who keeps going blah, 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 blah. it takes a toll on your head your emotion your psyche you know and he kind of understood mm -hmm. because he immediately related it to the image of his mother unfortunately in that case but someone <laughs> who's like <laughs> Ideal, <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible reference but that, that that's what he chose <laughs> but that's when someone's constantly nagging but i would just go bah, 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 because then they'll put it together what that means but mm -hmm. speaking to yourself a student of mine oh five years ago first time i met her perfect accent i said how'd you do it where do you live i lived here i said how'd you do it i spoke to myself did you look at because again in society again i don't know much at all obviously about chile or south america in general just right now uh exploring next year for sure but did you ever like hesitate with that because you were afraid of what you know if you come in your room if your mother comes in your room and you're like yeah what's up arsenio i'm all right man how you doing yeah i'm doing all right man everything's going but your mom would go she'll drop the glass and say my kid you know did you were you scared of that <laughs> yeah well a lot of times i i got caught <laughs> and yeah it was they they got used to it eventually like oh she's just talking to herself and and <laughs> and i still do it to this day so yeah <laughs> my partner sometimes says are you talking to yourself again <laughs> and i say yeah well i'm practicing <laughs> It's just a habit, right? It's a habit. And I'm talking to you right now. I don't, and it's not, I want people to understand accents are perfectly fine. You know, um, yeah. my mom, well, no, she's not necessarily, she just has a thick accent because she's just slang. She loves slang. Um, she's from, she's Puerto Rican, but my, my grandma, she's actually from Puerto Rico. Uh, but yeah in saying that accents are okay and it's interesting because when i hear people you know chile and you're speaking with i don't hear anything i hear i don't hear an accent whatsoever if i heard you speaking on the phone i'd be like oh she's american yeah she's yeah that's american no i'm from chile oh my god how'd you do it friends i'm like oh okay friends all right yeah okay <laughs> yeah well yeah you, you're right i mean accents are are very important and a part of a person's identity and they're okay and um but uh experimenting with pronunciation is is also a fun uh a fun exercise to do right to learn the sounds and and 
um, not only that, but the, I don't know, phrases that sound more natural and, and things like that. So when you practice a lot, you get to do it. I, I've never been to uh, live in a different country. I've only visited the U.S. and, I don't know, twice, like not many times either. So um, uh, I, I learned all of this in a speaking, uh, a Spanish speaking environment. And um, I think one of the things that really helped me was that I started when I was 12 and not uh, later, right? Uh, that's why we are pushing uh, children to start learning from a very young age at school, because uh, even if they don't get to speak, the sounds somehow stay with you. So then when you pick it up, when you're older, you get to uh, have um, an easier, I don't know, an easier road towards pronouncing correctly and, and learning better. Mm. You know, and I, I stress that a lot because if I ask somebody out here in Thailand and I say McDonald's, they won't understand McDonald's. They, under, they only understand McDonald's in their own language, right? They're Thailish is what we say. Uh, in Chile, in Providencia, wherever, do they have that similar problem? Like if I say water, will they understand? Well, for the most part, like the majority of them, would they understand water? Or do I have to say it in a Spanish dialect? Does that make sense? Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. No, actually people here, uh, for example, uh, brand names, they try to pronounce it like the original name, right? Mm. So uh, that's different, for example, in, in Argentina, where they pronounce the, the brands as they are written, like, like as if it was Spanish. So- um, Nikkei, uh, right? Here, yeah, Mine, uh, our neighbors <laughs> from Argentina. Uh, yeah so um in Chile no in Chile we try to we try we have a lot of borrowing uh from English in terms of of different concepts and words particularly with technology and we try to pronounce things the way they they are originally meant to be pronounced we have a lot of uh, people from uh English-speaking countries living here too right so uh the level of English is not good in general in Chile, but uh, I think pretty much everybody could say hello, how are you in, in English and understand the answer, right? Going into a, a conversation, that's different, but uh, listening to somebody and trying to understand, I think uh, most of people can. I see. Wow. Oh, man, you know, back when I was... Uh... Well, a student, Spanish, Spanish class in college, I would get frustrated at this girl specifically from Alabama. Alabama, they don't, they don't really try much of anything. You know, they have that very <laughs> thick accent. So, casatera, right? It's a cassette, okay? Cassette. She says, casatera. I said, listen, if you go to Panama or anywhere saying casatera, you, you gotta try, okay? A, B, C, D, E, F, A, okay? Ga, C, T, Ra. You know, you just, just come on. And now I know so much more because, oh my God, here in Thailand, I had, I'm like a concoction of so much knowledge now and the Thai accent and the Thai tones, they're impossibly hard. So 
Spanish is like, oh, that's easy. Oh, Spanish here. Let me see it. Okay, it's easy, easy, easy. You know, so um, now you had a perfect English accent going through grade school with universities. Do you think it was, did you learn? I mean, were you like, well, I don't really need to know this because friends, you know, and I, you know, because you know a lot, your accent, the amount of vocabulary you have, uh, the idioms, the expressions you have. Did university or school in any way help that? Well, uh, school, not so much. Um, I went to public schools and the level of English that they taught there was always lower than the one I had. So it didn't, it didn't really help much. And my, my classmates didn't know a lot, so I couldn't interact with them. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't think school helped. I think, well, university helped definitely because I, I had, I don't know, my first year I had six classes and four of them were entirely in English. So um, the, the practice that interaction gives you is different. And I moved so much. I, I progressed so much during my first year of university because of interaction with other people. I'm not just <laughs> right, not right. Thing. I don't know, mistakes that I was making, I, I got to realize them and start, uh, started to correct them. When I spoke, I started correcting myself and then uh, I, I got to learn the new forms that I had to learn. And um, so the first year of university helped me a lot in this uh, interaction setting. Wow, okay. Now, you, oh man, was it a university here? Well, being in a Thai-speaking environment obviously encouraged me to learn Thai, uh, but mm -hmm. you had that intrinsic motivation to learn English from a very young age. Like, you, did, you weren't forced. And Chile, do you think they're, are they a little bit forced? Like, here in Thailand, you can't hate a language. Like, some Americanos, they're like, no, I don't want to learn Spanish. This is America. You got, and they say, you need to yeah. speak American. No, English, you fool. Yeah. So here in, <laughs> just completely brainless. Here in Thailand, some of my students say, I don't like English. I'm like, how do you not like a language? Because maybe it's being forced. Do you see that in terms of like students learning in present day or maybe in the past? Are they being forced to learn it rather than building that passion? Well, I think that we are pretty much forced because it's a mandatory uh, subject area in school. The, uh, since fifth grade onwards, you have to uh, learn it and you have to be in class. And it, but there's also like a very cultural, like a big message that you have to learn English to have better jobs, to be able to travel abroad. Like everybody has that in there in their heads so i think um students when they're young they feel forced like when they're teenagers because when they're really young they have fun with it they sing and they dance in class and they have games so they have a lot of fun with it but then when when they're teenagers they're like oh, i have to go to english class again and they they have this phrase um miss no hablo inglés i don't understand so <laughs> so um let's not do it in English please <laughs> so um, 
uh, yeah, there comes that time. And then when they're adults, they're back in the motivation, right? Because they see that it actually helps you get different jobs with wow. international companies and the like. So they, they kind of go back to the motivation of, okay, I want to learn. But they, it's difficult to learn a new language. It's a lot of practice, a lot of consistency, uh, doing it every day, every week. So um yeah people sometimes are not very consistent so they get frustrated and like i've been studying for a year but i still don't speak english and i'm like well are you really studying or are you just going to are class once a week? nothing else right mm. it's like the like you can sign up for the gym but you're not gonna get fit for you need to work yeah <laughs> right and this is the thing like people they don't put in the work if you say, mm -hmm. Arsenio, you know, you say you can speak a little Spanish. I'm like, yeah, I can understand some words. I've been, Netflix has really been helping me because then I'm really starting to pick up an insane amount of vocabulary and I'm linking so many things together. And this is Spain Spanish. Wait, so I want to hurry up and clear that up before I come back to my thought, if I don't forget. Chilean Spanish, Argentina Spanish, Colombian Spanish, Guyana Spanish, Spain Spanish, which is at the, a completely different continent, is it really, really, like, if you hear someone speak it from any of the countries in South America, what are your percentages of understanding? Oh, that's very interesting, because it is actually Julian Spanish that it's more difficult to understand oh. than others. We have a lot of uh, immigrants from other countries in Latin America, and sometimes even they have problems understanding us because we use tons of slang and we speak really fast. So, it, and it's slang that is not uh, known by everybody. It's like local slang. So uh, I've heard a lot of times that other Latin American people have problems understanding us at first and then you get used to it and, and you start picking up on the words and and you you get to understand oh man so i guess that just that that scares me in terms of go so if i were to go to because again i had three countries as i told you before in my crosshairs costa rica mm -hmm. colombia and chile chile would be the most difficult place to start off at yeah, I'm not sure about Puerto Rico because I, I haven't yeah, had the true. chance to speak to people from there. But uh, Colombia oh. and Latin America and Chile, yeah, definitely Chile is. We speak really fast and we love slang and we create slang every year. I think there's a meme and we start with, <laughs> with a new word, right? So, uh, yeah, that's why it's difficult. But we also, like, we understand how to talk to, to foreigners and that we have to use less slang and speak slower so we are very accommodating that way wow so don't be afraid. you can go <laughs> right can go. <laughs> right 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 oh man so chip man i still remember i was looking up gyms in in and around santiago and providencia and i was like at the beginning of 2018 i'm like man i'm ready i'm going to chile let's do this let's do this i was excited but then again, I, I kept having cold feet. And I'm like, I don't think my business is done here just yet. It was a great decision. But the decision is looming large again. Um, and international business, businesses, are people, are they, do they have that motivation to learn English? And 
I, oh, I like to say live English because you have to live it. You, pause, you live English. That's why mm-hmm. you are where you are right now with your English speaking mm-hmm. capabilities because you didn't learn it, you lived it. You read it, yeah. you listened to it, you spoke it. Everything was English in your environment. And that's exactly what happened with one of my close friends, Ezra. In one year, from senior year of high school to first year of college, he learned Spanish and he told me exactly that. So with business and people learning English out there, like business professionals, people oh, you know, outside of university and school, um, is there like a lot of tourism and a lot of people coming in and people are enabling themselves to you know, learn the language in general? Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of tourism. We have a lot of um, international companies uh, coming here and, uh, you know, settling here. So um, there's a lot of interest, like in the adult population to learn English. And because our level is not that good in school, most of them have a very, like, beginner level when they start there are tons of academies to teach English to adults and they go to your job or they have like these offices and you go and you're with a group. I, I was teaching when I first started teaching, I was teaching in, a, in an institute and I was like engineers and doctors and CEOs and they were getting a group and start learning. And uh, since they're, when they're in beginner level, it's very frustrating because they can't communicate like they want to. And I think that is, um, that is something that makes it difficult for adults to learn the language that you want to communicate so many things and you can't. And uh, usually they get frustrated over that. And a lot of people, uh, you know, don't continue with the process. So I think uh, as what you were saying that people need to understand that you have to live the language and you have to interact in the language and you have to definitely make mistakes and sound a bit silly at first, like a baby would when they're learning their, their mother tongue. And, but then it gets better. And there is a lot of interest, like adults here. If you ask anybody on the street, they will say, yeah, English is very important. We have to learn it. But then going from that, speech to actually learning that that's a different thing that's the big jump that's the yeah it's very important but i can't do it because i give up easily because you know it's too difficult you know this is exactly what a lot of people that's the same excuse same everything that i've heard for seven years being out here in thailand and i'm like uh to my 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 creek that means why don't you speak english you know, and I didn't say that perfectly either, you know, because I have a tendency of messing up too. I'm not always perfect. And they're like, oh, uh, meaning, uh, how do you say difficult in Spanish? Difícil. There we go. Uh, I remember. I remember. Okay. Yeah. They're like, oh, it's, it's very difficult, you know, muy difícil, you know, real difficult. I'm like, yeah, blah, 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 you know. Chinese, yeah. Mandarin, excuse me, Mandarin is difficult. Arabic yeah. is unbelievably difficult. Vietnamese, <laughs> they have the alphabet. Spanish, forget, I love it easy, okay? Japanese isn't too difficult unless you go to the kanji and stuff. So it's all about, you know, you can become it just as you did. So. With what you have going on now, I'm so fascinated. What ma- what motivated you to go into NGO and to help 
schools in different areas and to help further, you know, methodologies and whatnot. I love this because I'm interested in doing this too. Yeah, well, I've always been connected to public, uh, public education because I believe in it. I believe that every, that all education should be public and should be like the same for everybody and uh, quality for everybody. So I've always been connected to, to public uh, institutions. And um, when I decided, uh, this, this was a, a big uh, road for me because I was teaching and I was, uh, I was having classes from very early in the morning to late at night with adults and things. And I said, okay, I want to slow down a little bit on this side of, of my career. And I want to start working in an office and, and start doing uh, projects and, and learning from that experience as well. And then I found this NGO and I said, okay, this is my opportunity to do that. And I got, um, I started working there. I started as a coordinator for the program that I'm currently the head of. And um, yeah, I was still connected to public schools and I was still doing my part with it, but I wasn't teaching anymore. I was, well, I still teach, but I teach the adults in, uh, in continuous improvement methodology, in uh, strategies that they can use in their classrooms so um i wanted to do my part right from that area and uh i have been doing it for three years i love it uh it's a lot of work uh from visiting the schools and because you know Chile is very long and narrow i have to travel a lot to the north and to the south and uh it's a lot of movement from there and you get to know amazing people who are doing a fantastic job in public schools in rural schools i am connected with schools that um i don't know their their entire student body is 16 students and they are all in a classroom together different ages all of them in a classroom together and uh their school is a, a huge part of their community and they are, you know, geographically isolated from others. So that's very interesting. And the, the part that educators play in that context is extremely important. Wow. You know, you, just as you were saying that last part, I remember watching, what is it, <laughs> The Most Dangerous Journeys to School. And they had two mm -hmm. separate episodes. One was in Peru and another one was in Bolivia. And the treks that these young girls had to go through with inadequate shoes, three hours one way, trekking through the Amazon, which houses the, the most poisonous frogs in the world, the strawberry, the blue, the green, they could be killed mm -hmm. instantaneously. But the role, as you said, education plays in that specific area in their dream i love their dream they say i want to become a doctor and i want to bring my mom out of this area and go into the you know what i mean like we, yeah. we, it's like school means everything that's what when people say you should get an education that's what they mean if you live in a geographically challenged area in a rural impoverished hills villages whatever you want to say education is absolutely essential um wow and that's what's so inspiring and that's why i want to go out there to different places in uh south america and do as much as i can in supporting people like that you know so mm -hmm. when it comes to 
do, from their mindset, from a student who lives in a classroom, again, I taught at a school with about 70 students at one time and seven of them had autism. Um, mm -hmm. The best experience I ever had in my life. And you had these kids and they're th this old. How much different are their mindsets compared to a public school that has maybe 2,000? Same kids, same age groups and stuff. How much different is it? Is one less passionate than the other? Yeah, well, we have discussed that a lot with the with the principals and the teachers from those schools. Mm -hmm. They uh, they always highlight how different their their mindset is and how they are very connected to their community and they are very innocent. In you know, they compare them to to I don't know students here in Santiago, which is a big city, and and you have schools of two thousand students and. Um, they say that this, these children are different, that they are very innocent, that they enjoy playing until a very, you know, into their teens, well into their teens, and they are still playing in the dirt and, and having fun with their animals. So um, they, they are very, like, uh, well, this, uh, the isolation has its benefits, and uh, the benefits are that you are, you are living a simpler life, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that is, is a big part of how they they conduct themselves in the school. And the school is like a big family that takes them in. And the families, their parents are also a part of this community. So uh, that that's something that the teachers there always highlight. And you can see them when I go to visit, they have never seen me my, in, in their lives and they hug me, hello, and they are very excited to see me and they welcome you in, into their community. And it's, it's really amazing how they, they conduct themselves in the school. Man, that just puts a huge smile on my face, man. That right there, I just feel like that is just so purpose driven. Like, you know, me being out here and, you know, getting in touch with a variety of different people that come from all over the world to come onto this podcast and, you know, speak a variety of different topics. That's a life assignment. What is it that you hope to achieve throughout this process? Again, you know, we have a long way to go. I'm going to be doing this forever in a day, you know, but mm -hmm. with you and, and NGO, what is it you really want to achieve with that? Like, what is the 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 end goal what is it yeah well the the end goal i think uh, for me is to um to decrease the difference that there is between public and private education here in our country right chile is a very uh, a very you know a country that has many problems of equity in in general right we have socioeconomic uh, background to be very, you know, it defines a lot of what your life will be like. And um, we have private education, which is uh, when we talk about English, they, um, the difference is tremendous in the results that they get uh, versus the result that public schools get. Uh, there was a test uh, in 2017 and um, students from private education got, I don't know, like uh, above 80% of uh, accomplishment. And then public schools is, was like 12%. That Whoa. was a huge difference that they had. And all of the difference between those students was uh, the amount of money their families had. 
in order to put into education, right? So um, that is that is a huge problem here. We had a, a tremendous social crisis last year in October. We had riots like what you're having Ooh, right now. Burning out the, yeah. yeah. Burning like, trains, because they were going to Burning the everything, yeah. And it, would, it, it lasted until the, the end of the year. And now it's not going on because we are in quarantine, right? <laughs> but it would still be going on if, if it wasn't. So um, it's, it's a struggle like in, in all levels of, of life here. And in education, you can see it a lot. You can see it in numbers and how different the opportunities are. So my goal is to um, create a program that you can apply in different public schools and that actually has the same results as people with money because you cannot have that, that much difference and be okay with it. You have to do something about it. 1,000%. I remember walking into an international school and I saw 57 different nationalities in one room. And I'm like, okay, guys, this is what the world should look like. I'm like, this is what the world should look like. International school, though, $30,000 a year from first grade all the way to 12. Now, obviously, not even the majority of America can't afford that. We're talking 95% of America can't afford $30,000 a year, you know? So mm -hmm. looking at that, the, methodology, uh, the methodologies of international schools, they should somehow be implemented in curriculum. Because here in Thailand, you have government schools, the majority of them, oh, it's pretty sad. Not sad, but there are some that are bad because, again, you could just look at the mindset from head to toe. It's, mm -hmm. That's the only thing they know. Um, you look at private schools. Even with private schools, you're not getting things that are very proper and whatnot. But those inter bilingual is after private. Bilingual is better. But in order for you to get a fine, I mean, I'm talking about a fantastic education, you have to go international. And to be honest with you, it's just, I can't afford, if I had a child right now, she's like, I want to go to international school. I was like, okay, go to sleep. That's your international school. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's in your dreams. Yeah. No, but even if I do that, no. What I would like to do, I need to go into an international school and dissect the minds of every last one of those teachers. Take what they know and then let's go. I'm going around the world and I'm going to feed it to every last one of them. That's all I really have mm -hmm. to do. It's the methodology. Take the idea and then I could give the idea to you, give the, the idea to you because it's all about interaction. Okay. They might have an interactive whiteboard, a TV. Okay. We might not have that, but we could do this. And so mm -hmm. that's another thing. So, oh my God. And saying that, wow, pause. Is there anything else? Um, that I would like, again, just Chile in general, man, I'm just so fascinated. You know, I think crime, crime, okay, outside of the protests, I know about that, but crime in general should be pretty, it's not too bad, right? So I, you know, I, I don't have to freak out and get scared or anything, right? Like, yeah, no, well, it's bad in terms of like uh, pickpocketing or somebody, I don't know, if you leave your things unattended in a big city, Damn. you'll probably get them stolen right but uh it's not i think it's it's like normal it's not like um extreme or or too much crime mm. like 
it's but yeah mostly i think we are we are very cautious and maybe a bit afraid of pickpocketing so we are always with our things our, all of our belongings inside and and everything like with close pockets and things because um we are very cautious with that particularly here in in, in santiago in the capital uh i see okay all yeah. right well in saying that though man oh I can't wait. It takes two days to get down there. Pause. So again, that and two days. two days. I would have to go from here to either Nairobi, Kenya, or go to Doha. Doha to England. England to Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo to Sa I mean, oh my God, we're talking. I would cry. Yeah. Okay. I would cry, <laughs> cry, cry, cry for two days. But it will yeah. be a well worth it. Pause. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing this wonderful message and things that oh oh my god oh sorry a brainstorm just came holy god oh Ooh, that came all of a sudden that was exciting <laughs> i saw like water over my, my window and i'm like who started water at me oh no that's the rain okay sorry <laughs> but anyways thank you so much for joining me i'm so excited i finally got a wonderful Chilean, and you are possibly the first Chilean friend I've ever met. Oh my God, man. But a plug, please, and pleasure for anyone who is interested. I'm going to make sure I put your Instagram link and everything in the description for people who are interested in what she has going on, guys. You make sure you tune in because I know there are a ton of Brazilians that listen to my podcast. You guys are the number two country. So, in saying that, Podcast Without Borders, pause. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Arsenio. And guys, there it is. Make sure you click on her link in the bio, uh, her Instagram, to see what she has going on. And again, man, such a wonderful podcast in general. It's been, a, well, not so much of a while, but the last international guest speakers I've had on, they have delivered such powerful messages. And I'm even more excited to get out there to Santiago, not only to, of course, see the wonderful pause that is out there, but to deliver on my life assignment with just giving and helping and supporting as much people or as many people as I possibly can. So in saying that, guys, I hope you enjoyed this. Stay tuned for more because I have a heck of a lot more over and out.